splits up everything. As Doc Emmerich would say, two teams entered the night vying for the Stanley Cup. The team from the city of Washington had three victories, while the team from the city where their opponents play had only one. We are going to break the winner of that series live on the podcast, and spoiler alert, it's going to be the Washington Capitals. Plus, we're going to start looking ahead at the massive summer that the Blues have in front of them. So let's get started, and let's go Doug. Armstrong. podcast and we are coming to you live from the lincoln bedroom in the white house where abraham lincoln's ghost is just chilling uh <laughs> how are you doing tonight ian i don't believe in ghosts i don't believe in no ghosts well that's, i'm afraid of no that's ghosts that's the a line. real shame for you because he's standing right there he's very tall it's oh rumors oh. of his height we're not exaggerated. <laughs> I think they had pictures. Uh, I think so. Or, you know, at least paintings and the like. He was a very <laughs> tall man, and he wore top hats, I was which like, made was him even hat? taller. Um, we are recording on the night of June 7th, which is a Thursday in the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> uh, and it is currently second intermission during the playoff game. We wanted to get a head start on some of the... Um, Opening bits of the podcast because Ian has to work in the morning like a grown-up. So, um, yeah, we just thought we'd get started on some of the some of the finer points of this week's episode. Mm-hmm. And then when the game is decided, which is currently 3-2 Vegas, and I'm kind of hoping Vegas wins because mm-hmm. I'd like this series to keep going. I agree. Uh, we'll discuss that uh, after we return from a break. So... Um, let's start with our returning favorite segment of yes. all time, Tavares Watch 2018. We have a fair amount of news this week as regards John Tavares, or maybe it doesn't regard, regard John Tavares at all. That's kind of the mystery. <laughs> uh, the big news, um, you know, as far as Tavares is concerned, Tavares, Tavares, whatever, I'll switch back and forth. Who cares? Uh, is that Lou Lamorello, who, of course, is the newly appointed president of the New York Islanders, which has been, until this point in his career, at least Tavares' team, uh, has announced that head coach Doug Waite, who, of course, you know as a former Blue, and GM Garth Snow, who, of course, you know as a former incompetent NHL GM, have both <laughs> been relieved of their duties. Uh, according to Lamorello, both are expected to remain with the organization, which I've never understood. That's kind of like breaking up... Mm-hmm. With your roommate, but you gotta, they're just kind of still there, because yeah. you live together. They're still, they're still good friends. Uh-huh. They're gonna stay yeah, friends. for sure. There was no backstabbing involved at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I first heard this news, I went out right away and tweeted, I think this probably means Tavares is staying on the island, for sure, because I just assumed that that was something Morello had discussed with Tavares and said, hey... What do you need to know? What do you need to see us doing to give us, you know, the best shot at keeping you here? Uh, and Tavares said, you know, I'm, I'm just not I'm not satisfied with the job these guys have been doing. And I want them gone and I want 
to have a say in who gets brought in or whatever, you know. Mm. And I'm not saying John Tavares is that kind of a demanding free agent. I don't know the guy personally. But that sort of conversation isn't unheard of in sports. Uh, I mean, LeBron James is the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, um, yeah, I mean, so that was my initial thought. And then, uh, like, two minutes later... I was driving away from work and I heard an interview while well, Jeremy Rutherford, I think, was co-hosting the 1 to 3 o'clock show on ESPN, which he's been doing a lot lately, uh, 101 ESPN, the local radio station. And he had a, a discussion where he indicated that maybe it was the exact opposite <laughs> and that uh, uh, he'd heard that Tavares and Doug Waite were pretty close friends. Um, and that Tavares was really fond of him and that maybe letting go of Waite was a sign that they thought... Uh, JT was on his way out. So, um, I don't think we have solid enough information one way or the other, necessarily, but what do you think about this move and about Lamorello's brief tenure as the president of the Islanders? I think it's a good move by Lamorello because... Garth Snow is doing nothing, especially as GM. It was a good move to get rid of Garth Snow as GM. Yeah, I'm not convinced Doug White couldn't still be a pretty good NHL coach, but I think Garth Snow had had plenty of yeah. opportunity to prove himself useful. I think when you get rid so. of a GM, you almost have to get rid of the coach because you know the GM's going to want to bring in his sort of guy or whatever. Also, Garth Snow in his 12-year tenure as GM with the Islanders, which is absurd that he's been a GM for that long, especially given the fact that the Islanders have only made the playoffs four of those 12 years, and in those four playoff appearances, they've only won one series. In mm. 12 years of Garth Snow as GM, the Islanders have won one playoff series, and I believe it was against the Florida Panthers. So really, half. You, yeah, you won half the series, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I think this is, like I said, a good move. I thought maybe this meant Tavares was gone for sure after all the news had come to light. I think I'm a little bit back to 50-50. I just don't know. It, I kind of think it depends on the coach that they hire. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing, not to interrupt you, sorry, with the Islanders is, you know, as much as we can say and will say and will continue to say and plan to say and are mm -hmm. about to say that the Blues really need John Tavares, and that, you know, there's got to be plan A with Tavares and plan B without him, which is something you've talked a lot about this week, and rightly so, in our personal mm -hmm. text, not in, like, oh, we'll make public a point discourse. But as much as we say that, like, for for the Islanders, it's like a tale of two futures. Like, if they keep Tavares, they are in total win-now, add-everything mode, especially with Lou... Lamorella, one foot in the grave as their president. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lou. You can He's live. 75. Red Shane Deans was shagging fly balls at like 85 until, you know, so May he rest fine. in peace. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I mean, so if they keep Tavares, it's total win now mode. And if they don't, I can't see it being anything but a total rebuild, which is kind of a strange thing for Lamorello at this point in his life, which I'm not trying to make like an age comment, but like, why would he be, maybe he just wants the challenge and loves hockey that much, but that doesn't seem like it'd appeal to a guy at his stage. But anyway, I mean, it really for them is it's a tale of two different things. And even to the point that like, uh, Elliot Friedman on the 31 thoughts podcast was speculating, like, are they going to wait until, you know, um, 
until like Tavares is signed or not signed to even hire their coach, like determine what direction that goes. So, um, yeah, I, th- I, I don't know. I think, uh, it's interesting to see where this goes for them because that's a total franchise changer one way or the other. Give me your, give me your hot take. What are your odds that he leaves the Island? I, man, I mean, you've said in the past that it's a coin flip. I think a coin flip is, like, really good odds, by the way, for a UFA. Yeah, I think it's beyond that. I would be shocked at this point if he stayed there. I really would. And I I don't know why. I don't know why I think that way. I don't know why I let my heart get hopeful. Because even if he doesn't come to us, it's just more exciting if he leaves. Because I never get to see John Tavares play hockey, you know? I don't know where the other destination is if it's not St. Louis. I'm starting to be blinded by my own Yeah, I mean, I think think the Sharks are definitely definitely in play. I would say the Knights are in play. um, Because I think James Neal's probably not staying there as much as it looked guaranteed that he was at one point. And I don't know if David Perron's staying there and like that's most of their cap space, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure is pretty low overall anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I think, I I would say 50-50, maybe leaning towards 40-60 that he goes, or that he mm. stays, I guess, stays being the 40. I think that you always have to give strong odds to staying, mm-hmm. because I think when the Stamkos stuff was all happening, it looked all but guaranteed that he was leaving, and then like news broke the day before free agency that he's like, nah, I'm staying in Tampa, and that's worked great for him. But like, you know, I just, I, I, why, why would you stay there? Why? <laughs> like, why? Why would you want to be... You know, second fiddle. You're always going to be second fiddle to the Rangers, for one thing. Even though they're rebuilding, you're still going to be second fiddle. I just don't understand it, why you'd want to stay there. But that's not my business. I'm sure John Tavares has a very nice life for himself there. But some a question that's Blues-centric for you, a uh, related to Tavares. Do you think that the Blues need John Tavares? Yes. <laughs> The, I mean, it depends, on, it depends on how you're asking the question. I saw someone on Twitter this week who I'm sure is a sweet person who knows many things, but she said that she really didn't think the Blues needed John Tavares, and I almost lost my mind. Well, I did lose my mind, <laughs> let's be honest. A I went, small amount. I went totally off the deep end. So, in the one sense, like, can this franchise survive and even be decent next year without John Tavares? Yes. But in the other sense, is he going to be the best player to hit free agency in, like, a decade, probably? If he does, 100%. I'm not, you know, I don't have a total knowledge of free agency, but I'd say probably... Yeah, I mean, he's one. Of, he's a top ten player in the league, and he might be a free agent at the position that we haven't had. We haven't had a legitimate number one center, and I'm sorry, Braden Shen is not that. He's great. He's wonderful. He's not that forever. I mean, I literally Bernie Federko maybe was the last I, one. I think he was yeah. a center, wasn't he? I'd say Pierre Turgeon. Yeah, but, I that's, mean, been, but that's like twenty years ago now. Yeah, you know? that's I pretty mean, close. So and and he was great, but like exactly that. Like how long's it friggin' Vincent Pierre <laughs> Turgeon? So true. And, and as long as I've followed the Blues avidly, you know, rabidly, however you want to phrase it, 
This has always one. been the discussion. This yeah. has always been like more so than goaltending, which I think has been a problem the whole time, more or less. This has always been like, oh, yeah, we've got to get a center. And so, like, there's no world in which we don't need John Tavares. John Tavares is the best player at the... And I used to say this about Paul Stastny, by the way, and I think I'm still right. You know, and we the contract, we can debate it all day long. But unless John Tavares does hit free agency, I still think Paul Stastny would be the best center to hit free agency when he hit it, mm-hmm. of, you know, of the past 10 years or so. So, like... Yeah, I mean, if he hits free agency, there's no excuse for us not to go all in for him. Which brings me to our next discussion, unless, I mean, it's part of the same discussion. Yeah. But uh, Doug Armstrong did an interview with uh, NHL.com this week, which I think is very revealing. Um, and I think it's revealing, for one thing, just in that he did it. I don't feel like Doug Armstrong is a very public GM, and you know... I mean, I'm sure they ask GMs for interviews all the time, but I feel like for this to be a big feature NHL.com piece, this is something that Doug Armstrong sought yeah. to do. I don't think the Blues know? generate a lot of clicks. Right, exactly. So, I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to be tinfoil hat like conspiracy theory guy, but absolutely I think... Put it on. <laughs> absolutely, if you ask me, did Doug Armstrong ask for this interview to get his name out there? I would say 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. So the interview was basically around what his approach will be this summer, and it was done. uh, (laughs) Mike Zeisberger is the guy who wrote the article, so I assume he did the interview. Um, But it was done at the Combine in Buffalo, which was earlier this week, I think, or last week. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just basically focused on the off-season approach. Uh, He was asked basically whether they'll be active in free agency or trades. And he said, yes, we're back to where we have assets. We have a late first-round pick this year that we could use to get a player to help us win now. A lot changes between the Combine and June 25th when you can start talking to players as free agents. Uh, There are a slight group of players that we think we would have interest in if they do hit free agency. So, I mean, that's nothing that we haven't heard, but it's, again, publicly redoubling his commitment to being a player in free agency um, and in trades. Uh, he was asked about whether the cap would limit him at all, to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, I'm hoping to get that clarified as far as, like, whether it's 78 or 82, because that is a pretty big gap. That's a whole contract for a pretty decent player. Um, and he said, we have a couple RFA we'd like to get under contract, but we want to compete with the teams and be a cap team, so we'll look to exercise our financial wherewithal to the maximum. So to me, that's saying, and I think it's been a little bit of a question with the increased cap, whether Stillman would be willing to spend up there, and to me, he's saying 100%. Put that yes, money where your mouth you know. is. I want to see well, that yeah, spending. Well, yeah, right. I mean, we, he has to follow through. Uh, and then he was asked about what position he's targeting. He said probably adding to our depth in the middle would be go- a goal, <laughs> obviously. He says Steam Fabry and Schwartz have played center before. This was the one part that I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, no. no. Uh, but he said, so if we have to circle back in and the players we're looking at don't hit free agency or choose different paths, we'd have to adjust to that. But I would say center ice would be an area we'd look to do something in. But like we are at the, But like we are at the draft... In free agency, we're always looking at good players. Uh, 
talked about his draft strategy a little bit. We're talking about best player available. Uh, at the same time, you look at moving up or down so you can explore to maximize your picks, and we're flexible on, on both those accounts. So, and then there's there's another thing I want to talk about a little bit, hot take-wise. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, f- for this so far, yeah, I, I, I don't see any way to read this other than this is Doug Armstrong like throwing down the gauntlet of saying we've we're being aggressive this summer or else. Like when you do this kind of interview this publicly, and it's not like it's the first time he said it. That's my problem. You don't have to get Tavares. Like I mean, that's that's something of a pipe dream, even though it's more of a believable pipe dream than it's probably ever been for a boys franchise. You know, uh, at least since like the Korea signing that we talked about this past year, where it was like the big like, oh shit, move of the summer. Yeah, you know, yeah. but like, um, whether or not you get Tavares, notwithstanding, this is a situation where he's very publicly saying, no, we need to like make moves and we're positioned to do it this summer. And so if he comes back with like, we trade the first and uh, Nolan Stevens for Mike Hoffman and we sign Tyler Bozak. Oh, okay. like, nobody's going to no. be satisfied. I thought about this in the car driving today. If he signs Tyler Bozak and he's like, that's, <laughs> we, you know, center depth. That's what we got. He can play the third line. It moves everyone up. No, he can get the hell out of here because I can see it happening. I, tu- I can, I, tu- I can see. I touched a nerve. Oh yeah, I can see us getting an okay, better center, and then also like a Tyler Bozak, and he's like just gonna throw bodies at the problem. Like these are okay centers that should be good, and maybe I, I don't know if he will, but I just I feel like I see that happen with other teams I, and I, with us in the past. I will say this also. A thousand percent the only way Paul Stastny is not a blue next year is if we don't sign John Tavares. Or is if we do sign John Tavares. If we don't sign John Tavares, a thousand percent Paul Stastny is coming back. I know you have to start high in negotiations, but did you see that his... Rep yeah, basically said, "Oh, he wants eight to nine million. Yeah, he's out of his mind. I was That's like, "Okay, not, you can start there, and I'll counter with I, two million. Eight to nine million over three years, maybe." Yeah, I was <laughs> like, mean, "Dude, no way." Uh, anyway, not to dwell on that, but like, yeah, I mean, it, my point in bringing up that—I didn't mean to to strike a nerve, but like, ex- I kind of did because Bozak. the point is. If that's his summer after all of this kind of talk, he's failed. And he will very publicly have failed. And I think for the most part, he's been pretty careful about not setting up standards where he can fail. I know he's all, I mean, he's, he's been open about we need to make some changes and stuff. But, like, I don't remember a year where he was like, oh, no, we're we're going to be aggressive in trades, free yeah. agency. We're looking at all the top names. You have to be in this, in this division now because yeah. you've got Winnipeg's leapfrogged you. Which we could kind of see coming. Arguably everyone. Yeah. Nashville is going to still be still a threat. Still great. Colorado made the playoffs. Yeah. you can. You got to believe that Chicago is at least going to try for a push to get better. Yeah. So really, who do you have behind you? Like Dallas, I guess. They're Dallas right. and Minnesota. I mean, Dallas are right on our heels. As I was saying, saying behind us they're is gonna being They're going to get Nachushkin back nice. probably. So, yeah, I mean. We got, exactly. You got to move. You got to move to keep pace in this division. A hundred. Uh, hundred percent but the other thing i mean to me you know for one thing i don't believe that he's not talked to john Tavares. oh i'm sure he has didn't uh, you say rutherford had a contact within the organization 
and yeah. said he thought that they were going to make a huge push I did for Tavares. Say that. Yeah, Rutherford yeah. in that same uh, segment where he was saying he wasn't sure that firing weight didn't hurt their chances of keeping him also said that he got a text from within the organization saying they were making a huge or they were planning to make a huge push for Tavares. I don't believe that anyone follows the tampering deadline. You can't. I mean, you can't. <laughs> Literally, like, you've got a draft. It's ridiculous to me that the tampering deadline is after the draft because so much of the trading happens at the draft. That's silly to me. Mm-hmm. You can't not. I mean, you have to, and I'm you sure everyone does. It's the same as, like, payouts in college. Like, these things happen, people. I'm sorry. I'd like to be an idealist, too, but it happens. JR's contact? Al McKenna. <laughs> Probably, 100%. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so all of that said, I see this interview as, kind, you know, more or less a statement even to Tavares himself saying, we're, we're coming for it, you know? <laughs> and I think, I think more than that, like, hey, we have a team here that we're planning to build. Mm-hmm. And like, if we add you, you're not we're ready. all we're planning yeah. to do, you know? Because... The thing is, if we add John Tavares, we're in win-now mode immediately. And mm-hmm. it's not like he's 27. He's not. He's entering his prime, arguably. But, like, every second you have John Tavares and Vladimir Tarasenko on the same team is a second that you are a cup contender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you you totally change the face of your franchise if you get a guy like John Tavares. I think we also need to, we don't have to talk about it, but as an aside, need another uh, right winger or another scoring winger. Those are my two Do you want to you want to bring up the name? That, oh, yes. Because we, you meant to mention it, and I didn't write it in the notes later. Oh, no, you're right. I, I forgot I'd even wrote it down. I think it needs to be a right winger because we need a right winger. We need a right-handed shot also in this offseason, but depending on who the player is that's available, I'm fine with getting another left winger and shoving someone else to the right wing. That's fine by me. In fact, one of the better left wingers available, supposedly, reportedly available, is Jeff Skinner off the Carolina Hurricane. Supposedly, the asking price for Jeff Skinner is just a first-round pick and a prospect. Now, I'm sure the higher the first-round pick, the less the prospect has to be, the lower the first-round pick, the better the prospect needs to be, which... Doesn't necessarily bode well for the Blues having the 29th overall pick in this year's draft, so it's probably going to be a better prospect, probably a top or a big four, you know, a Thomas, Cairo, Thompson, or Costin. Obviously, I think most people would agree that Thompson would be the one to try and give them. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily worth if Skinner's worth a Costin in a first, but that might that's definitely like my line. I would sure. definitely not do higher than Thompson. I would. I think you can get away with Wallman in a first I for say a rental. That's true. The issue or with Foley Skinner or a Fitzpatrick, whatever they're yeah. into. You the know. issue with Skinner is he's only got one year left on his contract, a six uh, million dollar contract. But I'll say this: my hot take is that I would rather have Jeff Skinner than Mike Hoffman. Boom, baby. That's right. Don't walk us through it. Well. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman's a right wing, right handed yeah. shot, which we certainly need. And Mike Hoffman's a pure goal scorer, uh-huh. which when you hear that, it sounds like filtered water or like <laughs> other things that sound great. Pizza right out the oven. He's a pure goal scorer. But that's kind of all he is. And Jeff Skinner, don't get me wrong, isn't like some defensive stalwart 
as far as like a winger goes, uh-huh. but like he definitely plays the game, the overall hockey game, better in like every aspect than Mike Hoffman does. He's a faster player. I think he's a more tenacious player. They're both pretty tiny and don't weigh all that he's much. He's got a higher profile too. I mean, yeah. he was a higher draft pick. He was a bigger name. I think I think he was been. Well, I think he's been on a worse team. I mean, you're kind of comparing two dumpster teams but one i of think them, though did make the well, conference that's finals true. Last year. that's the thing ottawa's i feel has had better support and movement in the past couple of years where i think carolina has been kind of floundering they've gotten a little better but it hasn't been much i also think you know i never want to be the guy that says well the the media is in the tank for canadian teams and I'm not, I mean, that's not my point but, here. But, like, I'm also never want to be the guy who's, like, too quick to underestimate the effect of that. Like, Jeff Skinner is on probably the least talked about team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. They're in a small market that's not a hockey, hockey market on a bad team that's not close to any other team. Like, there's nothing going Carolina's way for them to be discussed except that Tom Dundon's, like... Uh, an evil just a maniac. cartoon villain. <laughs> but um, so like Jeff Skinner is just a forgotten player and Mike Hoffman's on a Canadian team. And so by definition, he's not forgotten. You know, mm. I would I would 100 percent prefer Skinner because the price has got to be lower because mm. there's no term there. And I think he's a better player. I mm. think he's a much better player. I think he's faster. I think he fits this team better. I don't know what their ages are, respectively, probably about the Similar, same. Similar, yeah. But, like, plus, we've got, you know, Tavares, or Tavares, um, Armstrong. <laughs> oh, <we'll> get him. <laughs> Armstrong always talks about, you know, wanting term on contracts. I get that. But we've got a lot of contracts with bad term now. And God forget, God forbid we get Mike Hoffman here and he's just a bust, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's... Having a rental isn't always bad, I mm-hmm. guess is my point. Like, I'm I'm as much in love with Jeff Skinner as I'm like not in love with Mike Hoffman. Ooh. It's kind of both ways for me. My cold take for Jeff Skinner, though, because I think this is what's going to happen. He's going to L.A. Yeah, L.A. Yeah, he's going to be a, a L.A. king. A thousand percent. They need more Jeffs out there. They don't have <laughs> Um Correct, correct. Yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, I think... What's the point I'm trying to make? Skinner. Oh, I think, like, we've been talking (laughs) about John Tavares staying with New York as a possibility. So the fact that that's even a possibility at this point to me indicates Mm. that even if you trade a guy, like, I know one year is not the same as being drafted by a franchise and being there for most of a decade. But, like, I think in hockey, maybe more than any other sport, you've got a big upper hand in negotiations just by being the team that already has a player, Mm. you know. And so uh, I think worrying too much about a guy being a rental is probably a bit of a mistake. He's on the move. Pierre Lebrun said he wouldn't be surprised in the next 7 to 10 days if Skinner gets traded. So there's your uh, professional take. Yes. So let's, on this Tavares note, let's make one more point before we pause and catch the end of the hockey game and come Mm. back. There's one final bit in this article that I think is interesting that I got really excited and hot takey about, and you're going to pour cold water on, and that's fine, but I'm still right. (laughs) Uh, The interviewer asked, how much of a transition is there on your team right now? A passing of the torch, if you will, from veterans like Steen 
uh, Jay Bomeister and Jay Bomeister to the younger generation like Schwartz, Colton Pareko, and Vladimir Tarasenko. You could include the trading of Stastny to the Winnipeg Jets as part of that. And he said he talked about how the season was a bit of a different, a bit of an up and down year last year. That's an understatement. <laughs> uh, and then he said we went through a transition a couple of years ago when we lost to San Jose where we had to make hard decisions with players who had played very well for us for five, six, seven years. But we wanted to transition in and acquire draft picks and not trade draft picks for players. We have Tom- Robert Thomas, Tage Thompson, players like that. So hopefully we'll start implementing some of these players into our team next year to go with our core group of players in the 24 to 27 age range. You have really the guts of our team, and this is the part that got me very interested. In a Shin and a Schwartz and a Tarasenko... Alex Petrangelo, and Joel Edmondson. There's a list of guys there we want to continue to build around. We're looking to get back in and compete for a playoff spot and get back to being a team people believe can win a championship. Now, (laughs) here's the hot take. Colton Pareka is not one of the guys that he says, the guts of our team. And... I, I would have been shocked. If you'd told me that before I read this, I would have been shocked. So my initial thought was, oh, he's getting traded for sure. You, you right, rightfully calmed that down. But I do think that's very intriguing without trying to be too hot takey. I think that's really intriguing. Just for one thing, I think it's intriguing because if for no other reason than this, the fact that he named Joel Edmondson and not Colton Pareko, and I realize Edmondson can pair with Petrangelo and Pareko can't mm-hmm. optimally, so I get that. But 100% if I thought we were ranking Armstrong's preference on defensemen, it would have been Petrangelo, then Pareko, and then a pretty significant drop to anyone else. And Edmondson would have been the first of that group, but like... Yeah, it just surprised me. It really did. And especially since the guy apparently specifically named Pareko in the question. Mm-hmm. Now, would you like to respond with your big old party pooper? <laughs> I I saw that and I agreed with you. I think it's very interesting. I just know that someone tweeted uh, Mike Zeisberger here mm-hmm. asking or basically saying interesting that he, Armstrong, mentioned Edmondson but not Pareko. And then Mike Zeisberger tweeted back, he mentioned Pareko in an earlier interview, really likes him. Don't read anything into the individual comment. But I think if there's any defenseman that's getting moved, it's Colton Pareko. I just think the value's so high there. Yeah. We saw we saw the inevit- inevitable thing happen with Kevin Shattenkirk because he was a left-handed defenseman. And you have your cornerstone left-handed defenseman. So while it's great to have a guy like Colton Pareko playing left hand on your second line, that is a luxury. He's a righty. He's a righty. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry, but they're both righties. Yeah, yeah. Is my point. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just think that left-handed people are better. You know. Uh-huh. So. Um, well, this is gonna come out. Here's a hot take. <laughs> no, <or not>. uh, <laughs> no, my <laughs> my point. No, you're right. Thank you for correcting me. But my point is they're the same. So like, if mm-hmm. it's a luxury to have a guy. Like Colton Pareko as your second line right handed defenseman, but mm-hmm. it's not a necessity. And a necessity is having two really good centers to be a cup team. You have to have two good centers, you have to have a stalwart goaltender. And if trading Colton Pareko now gets you that, or I was even thinking, because I know like Montreal likes 
Pareko. If you go out and get John Tavares, can you trade Pareko for the third pick or for uh, Max mm. Pacioretty and a pick or something? You know, like I think the value is really high on Pareko, and mm-hmm. so and and I think he's a luxury for this team. So nothing against him personally. But, like, if the trade is there, that's a guy that you can afford to lose, whereas maybe those other guys you he named, you can't, you know? Mm. So that's all I'm trying to say I could that. see that being, like, the draft move that yeah. maybe Blues fans see a little bit more than other people but would be as surprising to other fans as, say, like, the Shen trade or, mm. like, Fulton Pareko's moving for what? Yeah, exactly. I could see that. Um, and g- quite frankly, as much as Colton Pareko is great and he's more of a sure thing now than any draft pick, if you basically flip a fifth round pick for a third overall pick or something, that'd be nuts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, that, that's all I wanted to say. It's interesting. It is interesting. It's probably nothing, but it is interesting. You got to give to get. You do. You do. And I know we all love Colton Pareko, but he's something you can afford to give. Uh, so now we're going to take a break for a minute. There will be a pause. You, it won't be long. You won't really hear it. It'll just mm-hmm. be there. Uh, you don't want to talk about Drew Bannister? We'll talk about all of that, but we got this game to okay. watch. We got to see the end of this game. We'll be back to discuss it with you in seconds. Hey everyone, we're back. Two Guys No Cup podcast here. Uh, someone that does have a cup, though, now. The Washington Capitals, as they beat what? the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3 to in Vegas. Um, I'm still kind of in shock. I can't believe Washington finally did it. They're off No Cups Island. A ship came. They jumped right on. It was a <laughs> Russian ship, I'm sure. And they're gone. It's the Blues, the Sabres, the Canucks. That's it. But that's not who we're talking about. It's the Capitals. Who uh, won with, I don't know, 20 former Blues, I think it was. At least a whole team of former Blues. Faced a couple former Blues, in fact. And it seems to be all that Blues Twitter can talk about at the moment. Steven's a little fired up. That's why I've started the podcast at this point. (laughs) To let him gather himself, but really to rev him up. (laughs) Now, Steven, let's be clear. Mm -hmm. You're fine with the Capitals winning. Yes. Yes, let me let, let me say my happy parts first, and I'll say lots of happy parts after. Ooh, it's first, an anger sandwich. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have had a soft spot in my heart for the Capitals for a very long time. Uh, I love Alex Ovechkin. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, they're a team very much like the Blues. It's basically the Blues winning the Cup as close as you can get without mm-hmm. that actually happening. Uh, I've got a friend who lives in D.C. now. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for me to be, like, okay with the Capitals. They're also, like, the rivals to the Penguins. So it's great seeing Alex Ovechkin lift the cup. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. (laughs) Seeing Alex Ovechkin lift the cup is wonderful. It's great. Handing it to Nicholas Backstrom, cool. I'm even fine with Barry Trotz now. It's all... Good, it's fine. It's fine. In fact, I'm not even angry. I'm, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So let's just oh, move on. But you are angry. Oh no, oh, no. Oh, yes, I am. All right. All right. So the game winner was scored <laughs> by Lars Eller. Now, let me be more specific. I could have scored the game winner if I could skate 
and just happened to be where Lars Eller was. <laughs> I want to be very clear about that. But Lars Eller scored the game winner, which has prompted all of Blue's tra- Twitter, which is a dark and horrifying place. Yeah, don't go on there. To have a meltdown. Because, of course, as they want to frame it, former Blue Lars Eller scored the game-winning goal in a Stanley Cup final. Just another note in the long, dark melody of suffering <laughs> that is St. Louis Blues franchise history, right? Lars Eller's mm-hmm, done it. He's scored the goal. His name's on the cup. His name's going to be on the cup forever until they remove it, because they eventually do. Mm. <laughs> but not for a long time. And the rings will still be at the Hall of Fame in Toronto. All of that is true. What I want to take him umbrage with, if you will, is the idea that Lars Eller is a quote-unquote former blue full stop. Lars Eller, as I'm sure none of you need reminding, was drafted by the St. Louis Blues in the first round of the 2007 NHL entry draft, 13th overall. And he played a grand total of seven, seven NHL games in a Blues sweater, during which time he scored two goals, recorded four penalty minutes, and took eight shots. He took eight shots (laughs) in a Blues uniform, just slightly over a one-shot-per-game pace. And he won 47% of his face-offs. So good for you, Lars Eller. We then traded him, let me be clear, almost a decade ago. We traded him for Yaroslav Halak, who was our franchise goalie for the following four seasons. A time during which... uh, Lars Eller recorded 17, 28, 30, and 26 points for the Montreal Canadiens. 30, by the way, being his career high until joining the Washington Capitals and playing for a much better team. (laughs) I don't don't want this to be a downer podcast. I just want to say, we get that the Blues have suffered. We all understand. Especially since the fans of the Washington Capitals are on a big, beautiful cruise liner off the island that we've been stuck on. And we just don't get to get on. There's plenty of room. There's lots of room. (laughs) And they've got enough lobster for all the fans of all the teams. And they can always catch more. But we just get to stay here. And, like, the Vegas fans were dropped off on the island, but they, like, they're, like, hammered drunk. (laughs) And so they don't even know what's up and won't for at least ten years. I mean, they're really plastered. (laughs) As you should be. My point is, we've suffered plenty. Can we please stop compounding our own suffering and inventing reasons to suffer with some bullshit like saying Lars Eller, (laughs) the former Blue, 
scored the game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup Finals. I get that all of the words in that sentence are technically true, right? Like, I understand that. But at the same time, it doesn't paint a true picture at all. Yaroslav Halak recorded uh, 83 wins across four seasons, a full 20 of which... That's that's one fourth of his games for the Blues mm. were shutouts of his wins. Holy Excuse crap. me, not his games, obviously, but full one fourth of his wins were shutouts, which still has him at second on the list of all time shutouts for the Blues. That was a trade that you would make then. You would make again, knowing all that you know today. And if you don't say that, you are a liar. <laughs> You are a, a falsehood distributor. <laughs> <laughs> you ran out of words. <laughs> I, I, I get that we've suffered. I'm, I, I understand. I know I'm young. I know I'm not. I, I haven't been through as much of the suffering as everyone else. I get, but I get, I get it. I get that we've suffered and we're the B team in St. Louis and everybody knows that I, I, I understand, but you don't need to make stuff up. I know Lars Eller played for this team, but he was never more than a prospect. He played seven games here a decade ago. He was a pretty decent prospect. That's why we traded him for a starting goaltender straight up. Right, who had just come off an incredible postseason performance, by the way, mm-hmm. and basically carrying the Canadians through, I think, two rounds of the playoffs, oh, yes. but at least one. A fun little thing is I looked up the trade for him, uh-huh. and I guess it's like two prospects and a pick. I can't remember, but basically. So there's Habs, trade to lock to the Blues, a picture, which is from 2010, but looks like it's from 1990. <laughs> But because the website... I love that he still had the same pads. Oh, yeah. And because the website updates, like, today. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, that's Halak stoning the Capitals in 2010. And there's a banner above that says the Capitals just beat the Vegas Golden Knights to win the cup. And it's like... That's... uh, If you keep that tab open, it will tear up. Yeah, your brain explodes. Also, the headline, Habs trade Halak... To the Blues for two prospects. Mm-hmm. That is what it was looked at as. They traded their backup goalie, who was the hottest goalie available that year, for two prospects. Just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. And by the way, one final point before we talk about the happy stuff. <laughs> no one ever referred to Lars Eller as former Blue Lars Eller before this series. In a hundred, in I guess a, ten years, but in a <laughs> thousand years, that never happened. So we don't need to be butthurt for the sake of being butthurt. Mm-hmm. Just, I, we get it. But TJ Oshie 
was a much bigger difference maker in these playoffs, and nobody even seems to remember. Nobody even seems to care that he is a former blue. And that, you can argue, was a bad trade, where we gave him away for too little. Mm. But we, we've almost forgotten about that so that we can tell this Lars Eller nonsense story. And it makes me angry. So why don't you talk about some things for a <laughs> while while I regain my composure? <laughs> Oh man, I um, yeah. Blues by the fans way, love self-flagellation. By the way, Phoenix Copley played two sevenths as many games for the Blues as Lars Eller did, is and he got games? to lift the cup. Yes, it is. <laughs> quick man. Uh so why aren't we complaining about that? Go on. <laughs> I'll complain about. By it. By the way, one final one final thing. Then I swear I'll shut up. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford had an article in The Athletic about how many former players from teams were in this series. Two other teams had seven. One of them is the Pittsburgh Penguins, who I doubt care that much that their <laughs> former team players, all of whom had won cups as the team, played for these teams. But don't forget that, yes, we had seven. We were tied for the lead with two other teams. I get it. But everybody, literally everyone in the league had former players in this series because Vegas was in the series. So let's get over ourselves. Now please continue. (laughs) I'm zipping my lips shut. I'm drinking beer. That's what I'm doing. You're getting real (laughs) sloshed over there. He's going to get angrier, folks. Oh, baby. I'm just getting revved up. (laughs) I'm just impressed that the Capitals won. I think when you watch a team win the Cup, especially when it's not, you know, a Penguins or a Blackhawks or a team that's obviously been there before, it's easy to get lost in what's going on currently. You're just happy for the team. Like, hey, that's really cool. We're finally at the end of this long journey. That's amazing. But you really have to think about it. What's going on, by the way, a song written by Marvin Gaye, who's originally from Washington, D.C. So there you go. <laughs> I, had no, I had no connection to that. <laughs> you not, nor should you. Nor should you. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, it's, it's unfathomable. I try and put myself in like a Capitals fan shoes and it's relatively easy being a blues fan and it just seems like you aren't gonna appreciate it until tomorrow i would guess i don't know i I mean i would think so it's one of those things that sinks in and also mind you someone could get in a time machine and travel uh back to like 1980 and be like caps fans you'll win the cup in las vegas and they'll be like i don't know what that means Mm -hmm. they want they won their cup in Las Vegas, a, a place that didn't have a team until yeah, this year. That was such a brilliant You would have thought, right? oh, maybe it's against the Kings. Maybe it's against, I don't know, the Avalanche maybe or something. This is this, maybe they decided to host the Stanley Cup yeah, in a neutral site. Yeah, and they're like, what? I'm going to beat an expansion team here? Which, I'll, by the way, don't let that be like a takeaway from the Caps. I could totally see that oh, it being will something. Oh, for oh, sure, they, that's a story. That's oh, the let's other get thing. out in front of that one while we're on it. That's kind of the other thing, too. Like, How soon yeah. How soon does this become? Seriously. Well, we knew that. We knew the Knights could never do this. Because I bet it oh, is tomorrow. Oh, oh, yeah. Under 24 Tonight hours. Tonight is all of the Vegas has nothing to be ashamed about. And tomorrow is, well, what did the Capitals really accomplish? Yeah. Oh, maybe. A hundy. Hot take <laughs> one hundy. <laughs> like, it's funny because they're one of the last two teams. They swept the Kings. 
They pretty much handled the Sharks fairly well. They handled the Jets. Better than anyone since Fonzie. Yeah. To be sure. <laughs> they handled the Jets way better than anyone thought they would. They're, they dismantled yeah. the Jets. They're, how, they, do, how do you beat the Jets and but then get beat by the Capitals? I know they're not the same team, but like to me. How do you beat the Jets in five and then get beat by the Capitals yeah. in five? I. One of the th- points they made on 31 Thoughts today that I thought was re- just really fascinating because over the course of history, you forget these things. but the And even over the course of one playoff, which, God, they're so long. I, I love them, but they're so, 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 so mm-hmm. long. Uh, but Capitals were down 2 nothing in the series against the Blue Jackets. The first series, the first round series. Remember back when we were writing the Capitals off because they were down 2-0? Oh, I, I predicted Columbus <laughs> would By the way, them. when I predicted the Capitals going to the Stanley Cup final and losing to Nashville, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back too much, but even I had done that, and after two games I was like, oh, they're just capitals it again, all right? Mm-hmm. But they were down 2-0 in the series, and that game went to overtime, and the Columbus Blue Jackets hit a post in overtime and so that that puck is two inches to the right two centimeters to the right or left i don't know which post it hit but you get my (laughs) point the capitals are done they're they're done they are not here it's a totally different history and so like the margin is so thin which to your point about winnipeg like those, you know, some of those games against Winnipeg weren't that thin a margin, but boy, they were a thin mm-hmm. margin, you know, and Winnipeg just got in the way of magic. And yeah. I think the Capitals just had more magic. And I know that's not like a stat- statistical happy way to like sum up the series, but I just think that's what's true. They had they won in the plus minus for magic. Yeah. Plus exactly. 10 magic. <laughs> I. Uh, Oh, here's they a good question. More mana than oh yeah, Vrana mana. Baby. <laughs> here's a good question. Um, did the Vegas Golden Knights make it back in the Stanley Cup Finals in the next thirty years? I'll give them thirty. I say no. I say hundred <laughs> percent. Hot take. No dice. They're here's, not in the finals in the next thirty years. Hotter take. Here's a hotter take question. I think. Do the Vegas Golden Knights? Make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, that was gonna be my next question. Next year, I think it's a coin flip because just showing what they did this year, they could. But I, I lean towards no. The, the thing they have going for them is that their division is not very good. Mm-hmm. The thing they have going against them is that they are not very good. <laughs> and I don't mean that. I please. I'm really. I I want to walk this line, and maybe I can't walk it. And forgive me if I can't. I'm not taking a drop of what they accomplished away from this year. It's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's unfathomable. They will write movies about it, and the movies producers will only wish it had a slightly happier ending, but they'll find ways to doll it up for history, and it'll be fine. And that'll be great, <laughs> and they'll be great movies. It's amazing what they did this year. But they have, <laughs> and and you put it so so perfectly, and it, bitter, bitterly and sardonically and all of that, but like when you said, when you said, when they were losing, basically, when there was mm-hmm. that final face-off and they were losing, you made the point that, like, you know what all these players are remembering? <laughs> they're remembering that they're on the Golden Knights for the first time, you mm-hmm. know? And that's something now they have to all wrestle with because 
they can't, you know, the story is they made it a lot this season on being the scrappy underdogs. They can't be that anymore mm-hmm. because they were two wins, three wins away from winning a Stanley Cup and they lost game four, five by one goal, you know? So, like, they're not underdogs now. Maybe they sell it to themselves that they are, but they're not. I could see that. I could see them missing. The other thing is the Flames are going to be better, I think. They should be. Edmonton. Edmonton has got to be better, or the heads will roll. (laughs) They'll do much better when they have Colton Pareko there. Yes, they will. Mm. Second overall pick. They don't have that, but hey. No, no, we're getting Leon Dreisaitl, baby. So good. Hot take, 100%. Hundy. Um, Yeah, I... I I but that's not let's not take anything away from the No, it was an amazing run. I think the Capitals just played a better defensive game, which is odd to say given the history of the Capitals they're much more of a run and gun, but somehow Vegas's whole game plan of counterattacking being fast up the ice just didn't work. I think what this proves interestingly is two things about two or three things. First of all, you do not need the best roster to make it to the Stanley Cup because neither of these teams have remotely the best roster in their conference. Uh, you know, the, the Jets, mm-hmm. the the Predators, at least unquestionably are better than the Knights, even if all that we saw from the Knights is legit and William Carlson has a 40-goal score and all that. Like, there's no question those two teams at least are better. And the Lightning and Penguins, for sure, better than the Capitals, if not some other teams, if not the Bruins, etc. So that's one thing. Two things, you need a considerable amount of luck. Like the Post against Columbus all the times that Winnipeg, Winnipeg scored a goal and then Vegas just came right back and scored a goal. I'm not saying there's no skill in that, but some of it's luck. You know, I mean, every bounce that goes your way, I don't want to get too Lindy Ruff and say puck luck too much, but it's insane how much luck affects this sport, you know, mm-hmm. because you're bouncing a rubber disc at a, at, a, at a goal the size of Wisconsin, so you're going to have some lucky breaks. And then the third thing, and I think this is the biggest takeaway for me as, as pertains to the Blues offseason at least, is you have to have a goaltender. That's just steady. Like, I, and I don't think Braden Holpe or Marc-Andre Fleury are either one a top five goalie in this league necessarily. They might both be, but they're not the best, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they both had rough patches, too. And they both had rough patches. But they patches. bounced back quickly. F- Fleur, uh, friggin' uh, Holpe didn't even enter the playoffs as... The goalie, mm-hmm. you know, because Grubauer took the job for the most of the end of the season. So, yeah, it's just their their steadying presence is back there. You can't have what we had so much of this season. You can't have a goalie who is creating problems himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to clean up more problems than he creates. And every goal he lets in that he shouldn't have is like plus 10 problems. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. So uh, Carter Hutton get it together. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we could go on forever. I don't necessarily want to about this, but like, I think for one, the one thing I want to talk about real quickly because it's a total departure from this subject, but it's not at all. How bad is the NBA NBC broadcast team? Oh, it's so bad. Just awful. The fact that the fact that the fact that Pierre Maguire got to interview 
was the first person ever and will always be the first person ever to have interviewed Stanley Cup winner Alex Ovechkin is criminal. And there was a point, and he says these things so often He's that it's like... getting up again. It's like gaslighting. But after the second and after the second period, Doc Emmerich literally said, "We have played two periods in Vegas tonight, but this time of year they play three or maybe more to determine a winner." Like all times of year, he just says things like he starts sentences and he has no idea where they're going. <laughs> he doesn't have any clue. <laughs> he is the guy. He start a sentence and it will be like the team that is wearing white is a team that has three wins in this series, whereas the team that is wearing the home jerseys has one win. And it'll be like what? Yeah. Uh, if he spoke any more flowery, he'd be speaking French. Uh, like, it's just terrible. Uh, and then, like, when Alex Ovechkin is screaming his lungs out, carrying the cup down the ice, he's got to be talking about the friggin' owners of the Capitals in 1970 who never got to win a cup. It's like, shut up. I, I've always thought, um, I, I will end this rant quickly, but I've always thought legitimately the best skill you can have as a broadcaster is knowing when to just be silent and let mm. the moment teach its own story. You know, when David Freeze hit the 2011 World Series Game 6 game winner, Joe Buck said, we will see you tomorrow night, and then didn't say anything for like two minutes. Mm-hmm. And earlier, when we tied it up in the ninth, he waited like 30 seconds and then said they just won't go away. And I know Joe Buck is villainized, too. I'm not... Terrible. But you know my point. Anyway, sorry, that was a total tangent. No, it's funny, because I was going to say, they kind of, earlier in the playoffs, I think they had organ music going on, maybe just last game, and Doc didn't talk for, like, maybe five seconds, and he goes, sometimes I just like to let people listen to the organ music, because I love it so much, and it's like they're stroking themselves on being silent for five seconds. They're like, see, I can do it. See, I'll let you hear all the stuff on the what's going on. We're just as good as everybody else, which is why I choose to listen to Canadian feeds when I can, because they seem to understand their sport a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But that aside, oh, also when they cut to uh, they cut to NBC Sports Network to carry the rest of the celebration. Oh, that was so God knows criminal. We can't. We gotta get the yeah. local news on, baby. Yeah. I gotta see my push take on this game. Uh, the NHL is so poorly run. It's, and it's <laughs> better run right now than it's ever been, and it's still poorly run. I like that Gary Bettman commended the uh, Vegas fans for booing him by saying, now we all know you're a real hockey town. Yes. I was like, very good. Yes, yes, everyone always boos you. We get it. You get it. I'm glad it's a fun little back and forth. I'm glad he like he takes the heel role, right? right. To use a wrestling I term. Tweeted that yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally like yeah. He please embraces boo me. it though. Like if in wrestling, the heel makes less money because they don't get like shirt sales and stuff. Mm. But there, there's the occasional guy who just loves doing it so much that they're like, I, I'll make less money. This is what I'm good at. You mm. know. Uh, and he, that's Gary Bettman. He doesn't like making money, but he loves being <laughs> evil. But it's, but he loves making money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He does. In it's, a roundabout way. It just, He's circle. the long con. Yes. He I, had to put a team in Florida first, then he could put a team in <laughs> Vegas. Seattle's going to cost so much money. Oh, they, they need <laughs> more money. <laughs> 
I wanted to make one other point about Lars Eller. Well, we're going all over the place. I wanted to say that in 604 career games, he has scored 219 points. Another player in 694 games has scored 322 more points. So in 90 more games, this player has scored 103 more points. Would you like to guess who that player is? Is it Tej? It's Patrick Berglund. <gasps> oh, but Blues fans don't like Patrick Berglund. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for making my <laughs> own point for me. I'm just saying, neither neither of those guys is a point-per-game player, by the way. So just don't be like, well, he's barely scored one more point per game in the more games that he's played, because that's not an argument that holds water. Can you imagine we traded Patrick Berglund and he won the Cup? Do you think people would be like, oh, why did we trade him? I think they would be. Yes, they would be. A hundred percent. I think some people would, but I think there'd be some people well, like eat a dick, thing. Patrick Bergman. And that's the thing I should emphasize. There are people out there not doing the Lars Eller story. Good for you. But the number of people who do is just like, just let it go. It's old people on Twitter. Yeah. Well, and you've got to, it's like there's some, there's a segment of this blues fan that has to find the cloud on the sunniest day, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like... Just Whatever. be happy. I'm 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 a very pessimistic, negative person mm. a lot of the time. So if I'm calling you out for your pessimism, there's problems. You can smell that shit yeah. from a mile away. Hundred, hundred percent. So Alex Ovechkin has won a cup. He won the Conn Smythe, mm-hmm. which you were on the fence about. It makes sense. He's he's the most valuable player to that team. Period. Anyway, despite other than Evgeny Kuznetsov scoring six points in five goals today <laughs> to win this game six to five. I don't think there was any way they weren't giving it to Ovechkin. But I'm thankful that they did, if only because the hockey media can't be like, well, he won a cup, but he didn't win a Conn Smythe, (laughs) so I guess he doesn't matter anymore. Who's playing in the playoffs to win the Conn Smythe? Like, fuck the cup. I need that Conn Smythe, baby. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, This is, uh, yeah, I mean, this is validation for the phenomenal career that uh, Alexander Ovechkin is having and. Will still have. I mean, it's he's like thirty one. He's far from retired, uh, unless Putin pays him seventeen million dollars a year to come let him score goals or yeah. something. But where are you going to say? Something? Oh well, not to take it away from no, the no, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, but I was thinking, you know, maybe he's got another cup in him or something. Do you think because we've had a lot of the same teams come back and forth? Do you think that the Capitals get another sniff at this even as soon as next year? Because I'm looking at the team, how it's constructed, who's going to end up leaving. Carlson's probably gone. A few other guys are gone. They have their core there. They'll be fine. But I'm just wondering, I don't think for as much luck as we think they kind of had to, and all teams do, I don't know if I see them as like, oh, we're the Penguins or the the Blackhawks. Not, not that you need to be a, a yeah, dynasty team, yeah. win a cup, and that's fine. I don't want to take that away from them. But I'm for God's sake, let's not raise our own standards. Look, here's the thing: they need two cups for me to give any craps about them. No, I mean, it, I'm already thinking about new blood for next year. It could go two ways. I could, I could see it very, very believably going either. Hey, we've won our cup. Everything else is just gravy. Mm-hmm. Or hey, we've won our cup. 
we proved it. All the shackles we know are we off, can do it. and now we're just a friggin' bulldozer through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think the former or the former is more likely. I don't think they're necessarily an automatic cup of con- contender because now there's other teams like the Lightning who mm-hmm. haven't won their cup this generation. You know, the Stamkos yeah. of the world haven't won their cup. And the the Penguins aren't just going to rest on their laurels now that they're three-peats That's over. my biggest fear is that um, one of those old teams and is going to win again. You know, I'm, I know a lot of this core won the cup in yeah. like, 2010 or whenever it was, but it's mm-hmm. not like they're, you know, unstoppable or whatever. Uh, or what, like they're unquenchable. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know my mm-hmm. point. It's not like they don't want to win another one. Uh, it's a tough conference, but I I think they're contenders. You yeah. know, I mean, if I, I hope they make it back. And it's way too early, way too early. But if I was making cup contenders for next year, I'd probably put Winnipeg number one. Ooh. I'd probably put Tampa number two, Nashville number three. Pittsburgh four and Blues number five. <laughs> oh, we've all had a fun time. <laughs> and Ian brings us right back down to earth. Uh, who do you think? Um, we're just question after question. I love it. Um, so I, if I ask you too many questions, why don't we turn the tables? <laughs> if the year? Blues win the cup next year and we don't know who's all on this okay. team, <laughs> I'm going for a fun question. Um, Who holds the cup first? Yeah, so it's obviously Petrangelo gets it and hoists it, unless they strip the C from him, which they won't. But who get? Well, okay, gotta, that's dumb. That's a dumb question. Be Alex Steen, right? Oh, real? Oh, really? I think it's Alex Steen. You think Tarasenko gets it third? Yeah, I do. I think Tarasenko's too young to get it second, mm. and he's not wearing an A all the time, is he? He has a lot of the time. I think but, he is. But is Steen still wearing an A? I think yeah. it goes Petrangelo Steen. That's my gut. That's we're go- my gut. We're going five: Petrangelo Steen, Tarasenko. Yeah, probably. You got your next two. No funny business. I Real it, talk. I think it depends what kind of role Jay Bowmeister plays. Like if he's not ice. Ride the pine. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I thought he would still get that's it. That's believable. He'd get it early. Because he's just super old. But yeah, but I don't know. I mean, because he's not 1 1, right? No, he has. Oh, no. He he didn't make the playoffs till he joined the Blues. Oh, God. Yeah, he'd have to get it early. (laughs) Poor (laughs) bastard. Get an old rusty Um, bones over there. So. You think if they hand the cup to Jaden Schwartz, his bones explode because it's too heavy? (laughs) Exploding bones. (laughs) I I would say Petrangelo to Steen to. Does it go Bowmeister than Tarasenko? Bowmeister's getting it early if he's still around. Oh, he's going to be like the Brooks Orpik who already won. Yeah, right. Still the, got who a got third. a third? Right. I think that's the I think that's the test case for Bowmeister right there. Mm-hmm. And then Tarasenko, and then Schwartz, and then Bergman. I don't want some of these people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we need to boot this guy I mean, off. That would all, we I mean, that cup. would all, of course, we're only winning a cup next year if this team gets John Tavares, so he'd be up in that top mm-hmm. <laughs> quadrant somewhere. I was going to say, yeah, then we hand it to Carey Price. <laughs> who hands it to... 
Jamie Ben. <laughs> you know who would... You, so when these people are lifting the cup tonight, there's a lot of fucking A. A lot of people with just the comment of fucking A as they lifted it up. You know who would be the most fucking A person to lift it on this whole team? Mike Yo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sure. guy lifts He's it goes, woo, fucking A, <laughs> and then gives it to Baruby or whoever. He's as Canadian as Canadian can be. I'm like, really? This is like... Winning, this is like also, the like, biggest thing for your country, and it's fucking a. Like I get it, I really do get it, but it's weird to me that the coaches wait like ten minutes to hold the cup. Like you're really gonna tell me Chandler Stevenson was more integral to this whole process than friggin' Barry Trotz? No, thank you. Especially Barry, fifth all time in the NHL in coaching wins, never won a cup. Trotz, Barry, who never played a game of hockey uh, yeah, in his life. Much trots. like Ken Hitchcock. I mean, I think he played like crappy crap when he was like 14 yeah what a weird what just weird just bizarre Mm -hmm. uh yeah who do you think gets the cup second you think it's tarasenko then oh i i I liked your i liked your uh run down there yeah i think those are the old farts that get it we've kind of losing old farts at this point like his dad and everything like he's got so much lineage like i think it goes to people who have been on the team for yeah. a long time, waited for a long time, and then, you know, star level. Mm-hmm. So who gets the cup last? Is it oh. Dimitri Askin? <laughs> <laughs> and why is it Dimitri Askin? Um, well, it's Billy Huso, probably, but then... I love that. Because we, apparently the third goalies are there for yeah, this for some reason. We talked about that. That's the best part is, like, you're so amped for having won the cup, but at a certain point, you're just kind of like... Want to go talk to people about it? Yeah, you're kind of done clapping. So (laughs) when it gets to, like, whoever it was, yeah, Chandler Stevenson. the uh, Australian guy? Crikey! Oh, somebody Walker. You're just kind of like, yeah. Blimey! I mean, I guess I'd be happy for, like, Robert Bortuzzo lifting the cup. I mean, there'd be... But, like, whatever. There'd be, like, tears streaming down my face watching Tarasenko hoist it, though. I'm not lying to you. No. Uh, But... Your, yeah, your tears po- have dried like, up on Robert Bortuzzo. There, like, I would just be like, okay, so Robert Bortuzzo gets it too. Like, he did stuff. Good for Yeah, him, like, give know? it back to the captain so we can cheer hard again. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. I do love that they do give the captain the final lap, so it's like, okay, explode again. Yeah, like, yippee, someone I know. <laughs> and that was, I mean, it was awesome to watch. Ovechkin pure joy throughout this entire series. I'm so glad they won, but there's something did... The Penguins didn't win either of their... They've never won a cup at home, because I remember some lady crying about that. Mm. Um, The Blackhawks... What what a plight. (laughs) The Blackhawks won their third one. Jesus Christ. Their third one at home, but the other two they didn't. And Bruins didn't win at home, and the Kings, I think, won both of them at home. Anyways, it feels like it's been a while since someone's won at home. I feel and like... And I kind of like it, because, you know, then everyone gets to flip out. I feel like the two two one 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 lends itself to that. Yeah. And I don't know that two three two is preferable, because, boy, that puts a lot of pressure on the home team to win both of the first two. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, it's, I don't know. It seems like probably that's a lot of teams winning in game 6 on the road yeah. that had a home you know home ice advantage i mean when the cups win the cup i'm just saying I don't from care, yeah. from from an outsider's perspective of like get hype it's like if the whole crowd just flipping out i'm like hell yeah there were a bunch of capitals oh, yeah. i wonder if they i almost wonder if there were like some like 
that hadn't bought t- were like outside or something, and they let him into the building because those guys showed up and like filled that. Place. Yeah, that was like the whole lower bowl. Or if they kept them all. Yeah, if they let them all move down or something. But yeah, I bet there's probably, especially in Vegas too, a fair amount of like, well, we're down three one. How much can I get for my ticket? You know yeah, what I mean? Probably. And the capital stand is like, I'll pay whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, do we have other things to discuss about this? I'm sure there are more stories. No. How do we feel about TJ Oshie winning a cup? Because we kind of flirted with that. Yeah. But I'm fine. I'm happy for I him. Yeah. I, this I is, never thought he'd be a cup winner, to be the all, thing. It's in all like, honesty. If, if we traded Vladimir Tarasenko this summer... It's not happening. Don't freak out, people. But, like, let's say we did that, and then the Vladimir Tarasenko-powered Calgary Flames won a (laughs) cup next year. We have every right to be, like, friggin' furious. And still not at Vlad, really, because it's not like he was like, do-do-do-do, trade me, or whatever, you know? Uh, But we'd have every right to be, like, pissed off. But, like... Even TJ Oshie, man, we traded him three years ago now, and we wanted him gone so badly. Like, people people forget that with history, but, like, we all thought he wasn't a playoff performer. We all thought he was overhyped and and underperforming on this team. He did not get along with Hitchcock at all. Oh, which, by the way, oh, my God, I'm glad I brought up that name because... (laughs) Ken Hitchcock did an interview with Pierre Lebrun. Oh, you guys have to find it. It was the fun. Oh, it was the funniest thing. I don't. I think it was just in, in print. But like, Lebrun asked him about Perron and Oshi specifically, both of whom are guys we know he hated on this team, like hundred <laughs> percent. And he was. It was just like the most effusive praise, like the most effervescent quotes that Ken Hitchcock ever said about anyone. It was like, oh, David Perron, he's the grittiest player in front of the net that you could ever ask for. Great head on his shoulders, tough two-way player, loved coaching mm. him. TJ Oshie, softest hands in hockey. I've been singing that kid's praises for a year. He's incredible. It was just like, who do you think you're fooling here, Ken? <laughs> Everybody else but blues fans. <laughs> Probably, yeah. But, like, uh, it was just funny. It was total aside. But, like, it, the writing was on the wall for TJ Oshie. And, by the way, and this is something else we don't talk about, that whole core is gone now. Mm-hmm. Because the core was Bacchus, Oshie, and... Uh, Perron, basically, mm-hmm. were the young forward core of that group. They're Ber- all gone. Berglund's the only Berglund's corpse still sort here. sort of corpse. That's a good, that's a good one. He was the rookie that Yeah, Oshie's no, no, here. no, you're right, you're right. Berglund sort of, but like, when you talk about those era, that era, it's those three guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Eric Johnson, who, you know, are you going to be pissed if Eric Johnson li- Yeah, you will be. You will Someone be. will be. Somebody will be because he was our first overall pick and we'll just be pissy about it. And we traded him for nothing. Nothing. We traded that guy for Zach Sanford when Zach Sanford was 14 years old. Gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I, felt, I felt really happy watching TJ win a cup. Which is the thing, like, this was so much easier to swallow this year because we weren't even really competitive, you know? Mm -hmm. We didn't make the playoffs. So it wasn't like our rug had been ripped out from under us last week or something or last month, you know? I just, I, it was such a joy to watch new people hoist that. 
Mm-hmm. It, I, you know, because basically nobody knew has held the cup for like 10 years. I mean, there are players here and there on the team mm-hmm. that have, you know, and obviously the Penguins won it for a first time and the Blackhawks won it for a first time. But for the most part, it's been all the same faces. So it was just incredibly, I mean, it was so much fun for me to watch them just lift cups. Mm-hmm. I loved it. They're the, they're the 23 guys with one cup. And we're the two guys with no cups. <laughs> and that's all there is to We're say. never going to get a cup. Uh, the Blues won a cup in what year? I'm saying 2,300. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Um, 2037 <laughs> is my oh, guess. Oh, God. Robert Thomas at I'll that point. So Robert Thomas will have just retired. Just and, uh, yeah. Blues, you have 13 years to do it before I'm 40. Please do it. <laughs> because I don't want to hit 40 and start thinking about how I'm going to die. You'll be that man. Without <laughs> winning, without seeing them win a oh. cup. Because I'm promising you, the second I turn 40, I'm just going to, uh, that's my thought. That's like, oh, well, <laughs> that's, his first that's thought. the end of my, my time with the Blues. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. It's all over for me now. <laughs> I think that's a fairly common thought. Um, I don't know, man. That's the only bummer. I mean, I'm glad the Caps won. That's the only bummer where I'm like, that took a lot. That took a lot of effort. That took a lot of luck. It always does. And it almost every time someone wins a cup, whether it be a new team or old team, I go, man, how is this team going to do that? You kidding me? I know 30 teams don't Johnny do that. Honda. I know, I heard it in my head, and I <laughs> regret it immediately. I thought you just owned the building of that. You own words? Uh, uh, get out of here, Kelly Chase. Yeah, I don't know. It's I've, I'm already, I'm over playoff hockey. I need, like, a month of, like, the draft I'm, and, like, free agency, and then I'm ready to go for, like, blues again. I'm calling it right here, 2022. Four years away, folks. That's all you've got to wait. Four years away. That's all you've got to wait. I'll be 31. I'll be comfortably certain that I've got at least eight years left to live. <laughs> it's uphill for a little uh, while. Yep. I mean, it's like a plateau, really. Yeah. It's, you don't start going downhill until like 42. <laughs> will you cry like a baby when they win? Because I, I will. I'm not a crier like at all. Oh, I am. But I think I will. Like... I cry at death of pets and nothing else. <laughs> so he's a cold, but I cold think I man. will. Like I, 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 I was trying. That's that's the weird thing. We will wrap this up eventually. But I mean, you know how long it's a ramble fest. You see the podcast time, but we don't know because we're not in the future. That's the thing that was weird for me because, like, I felt like because it was the Capitals tonight, I'd get just a little taste. Oh, of no. what it would be like, but I couldn't, like, I could not put myself in those shoes. It is, like, such a different world to me. It's like, you could be, like, it, it would be no different. Like, if you were, like, picture yourself seeing the Blues win the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. and picture yourself being elected president and which seems more actualizable to you. I'd be like, neither one. They're, they're, they're the exact same. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, me with my bachelor's degree from Truman State University, they're the exact 
Same. I just don't. Like I can't just, see it. I know, and it'll. Ha- I I I think it'll happen. I don't know it'll happen, but I want to believe it'll happen. Oh, yeah. My heart says yes. My brain says no. Oh yeah. My heart. Maybe it's the other way. Oh, really? I, I, my I was, brain's like fifty years is long enough. Oh, you're just right. Not, and my heart's like no. I no. can't take it. You're gonna be a shell of a human being. <laughs> they'll they'll do it. I I'll just weep like a child. A silent, that silent cry where, like, you're like, oh, is he asleep? And then if you, like, look on the other side, like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's very wet in the face. I can't wait. I can't wait. You already saw me when playoffs last year. See, that's too bad we didn't playoffs this year. We're going to just lie on the ground. Folks, you can't. You just get revved up for the playoffs next year because it's incredible. Oh, a, we gotta make it because this podcast is gonna go unhinged. It absolutely, much like tonight. <laughs> uh, you have anything more to say I, besides you've got to sleep? My thoughts are all gone. I agree. My brain is farts, folks. It's been forty-five episodes plus bonus episodes mm-hmm. since we started this podcast, and now one full hockey season. Our first yeah. episode was at last after last year's draft, yeah. and this year's draft is coming up on the twenty-second. Yeah, so. Our next season starts right now. <laughs> There's no gap here. There's no two guys one summer. There's two guys no summer. <laughs> Get ready. It's getting cool outside. It's we, fall. We plan to be back next week with um, more for you. We're going to talk about some of the things we pushed off to talk more Stanley Cup, which includes trades and... Uh, the hiring of some freaking guy, Drew Bannister, as the AHL coach, mm. which we touched on last week. I ride down him to get from the second floor to the first floor. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a Bannister nice. joke. It's very late. Classic Bannister jokes, folks. Uh, <laughs> get we, ready for that. <laughs> we have a draft coverage to do. We've got trades and free agency. We've got a podcast of just silence intermingled <laughs> with screaming if this team signs John Tavares. If you think this is a messy episode, just wait for the John did I, Tavares Did signing. I say Prospect Pyramid? Did I say oh, that? Because that's something up. we're going to do. It'll be a lot of fun. And we'll oh, do anything you want us to do as well. Um, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> please like us. <laughs> uh, it is, I've, I've loved doing this for a uh, year. Uh, it's been fun. And I am excited to do it for many more years to come. I don't know why I made this quite so flowery an ending, because we're just going to be here <laughs> next week. <laughs> Wrapped it up. But hey, Stanley it's Cup, it's time for reflection. It's a beautiful trophy. We'll hold it one day. Do you have anything else to say? Why do you think <laughs> <laughs> that on. guy gets to be the guy that holds the Stanley Cup? I don't Cup? know. What qualifies you for that job? That's all he Is does, Is his resume folks. like... Dear Gary Bettman, <laughs> I haven't dropped anything in 14 <laughs> years. <laughs> I'm very Impeccable good. Balance. I'm very good at holding things. Please hire. <laughs> Let me see your hands. Those are Straight. fine. <laughs> that was it. What size glove are you? <laughs> I hope it's exactly that. Mm-hmm. Dear Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, all right. Uh, that's enough. You've got to go to sleep. I will never go to sleep. I'm wide awake. Uh, <laughs> we will be back here next week with another episode of the Two Guys No Cup podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Congratulations to the Washington Capitals for getting off of this horrible dreaded island. Hopefully we will be off it very soon. Good night. <laughs>